This is the Cigar Dave Podcast with The General. Well, if you have come looking for political correctness, if you have come looking for topics and commentary being sugar-coated, you have come to the exact wrong place. Because here on the Cigar Dave Show, we are straight-up truth-tellers. We're not politically correct. We don't fall into the woke bullshit trap. We tell it straight up. And if you don't like it, I suggest you find a beta show that will make you feel more comfortable. Maybe a safe space is what you need. But I can tell you that those of you that are alphas and members of the Alpha Army, you don't need a safe space. What you need is the truth. Noble, and that's what we give to you here on the Cigar Dave Show. Long-ash greetings and salutations. A long-ash snappy salute, semper delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. It is your global five-star general, Alpha Male-in-Chief Cigar Dave from Command Center Alpha in a classified location somewhere on the Florida Peninsula. But I can tell you this, that wherever we conduct broadcast maneuvers from Command Center Alpha, it is cigar-friendly, it is libation-friendly, it is dame-friendly. It is not, however, woke-friendly. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Gurkha. The world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Revenant, the five-country fusion of exceptionally aged tobaccos, will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in both Corojo and Maduro presentations, fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. And by Davidoff of Geneva, introducing the new Avo Caribe. Experience the journey of flavor. Created by a synchronized blend of cigar tobaccos from the Caribbean, accentuated with a touch of lively fillers from Central America. Head to the land where palm trees sway to the breeze of the sea with the new Avo Caribe, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. First up, the top 25 cigars of the year always come out right around this time by Cigar Aficionado. Now, Cigar Aficionado for many, many years, was the gold standard. Everybody wanted to grab a cigar aficionado. Everybody wanted to see what cigars were rated. They'd take them into a cigar retailer. Oh, this is an 89. This is a 92. It's got notes of marmalade and jam and peanut butter and chocolate and cocoa and caramel and and hamburger and steak and french fries. Well, we all know that cigars don't taste like french fries. They don't taste like chocolate. They have notes. Certainly, they can have notes of various different flavors. But every year, they have come out with a top 25 cigars of the year. And every year, I say the same thing. And I've never really discussed it. But this year, I just felt that I would discuss it. The way they come out with their top 25 cigars is they take, and this is according to them on their their own description. They review the highest scoring cigars from the past year. They assemble a new tasting of those cigars. They then repurchase, reband, and then resmoke the cigars blind. Tasters don't know the identity of the cigar. Don't know how many tasters there are. There's two, there's four, there's five, there's ten, there's one. We don't know. Then the top scoring cigars are then smoked against each other through multiple rounds, and a new list of 25 cigars is assembled. And this year, Great cigars on the top 25. The number one cigar is the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series Torpedo in the natural. Personally, I love the Maduro. 
I'm a Maduro fan. Love the natural too, but to me, love the Maduros. Anything from Padron to me is number one. Every cigar they manufacture is exceptional. Every blend that they offer is exceptional. Can't go wrong. I don't care if it's the Padron series, the regular line, which is anywhere between like four bucks and maybe 10 bucks, or their Padron 1926, or their Padron 1964, or their Family Reserve, or the Padron Damaso, which I love, which is a Connecticut Ecuadorian wrapped cigar. They launched that about four or five years ago, to much acclaim. First time they ever offered a cigar other than a Nicaraguan wrapper. Beautiful cigar. So I don't think anybody can argue that a Padron 1964 Anniversary Series Torpedo Natural is deserving of being number one. It's a great stick. And there are other great cigars that are on here. Uh, For example, there is the Rocky Patel Grand Reserve Robusto. There's Tatuaje Reserva K222. Great cigars, Hoya Silver Robusto. You've got um, Herrera Esteli Habano, Aging Room. Some great cigars on here. The Alec and Bradley Kinsugi, one of my favorites. The Ashton Puro Soul, the Epicario La Historia. Fantastic cigars. La Florida uh, Dominicana Airbender Chisel. You can't go wrong. They're all great cigars. But my question is, is that a logical way to tell what is the number one cigar. It's all subjective. I think a better option in terms of determining a top 25 cigars of the year is to look at sales, amalgamate the sales, either from one store or multiple stores, look at sales by volume. How many cigars? Look at sales by revenue. And that's exactly what my longtime friend Jeff Borshowitz the founder and uh, owner of Corona Cigars in Orlando, the three cigars, uh, Corona Cigars in Orlando, and the Davidoff Store and Lounge in the Cigar City of Tampa. That's exactly what Jeff does. And every year he comes out with his two, to this yearly top cigars sold. He does it based on dollars, and he does it based on single-stick volume, the number of cigars that he moves, and then he also has a category for the top-selling cigar box sales based on dollars. Now, those to me are the exceptional ways of looking at things, and I like the fact that he's going to do it both on dollars and on volume, because we know that if you go and purchase a super premium cigar, you buy a Padron Family Reserve for $25, $30, or you buy a, uh, a Davidoff, a Double R Corona, you're talking in the $25 category. You're talking about a super premium cigar. So you sell less of those, but because the dollar amounts are so high, that's going to skew the results. So what Jeff does, which I think every cigar retailer should do, and what I'd love to see is the Cigar uh, Association, a uh, correction, the Premium Cigar Association, which represents the retailers, the PCA, formerly the IPCPR, formerly the RTDA, what I would love to see them do is get the, those, that data from the retailers across the country. Now, most retailers, I should say most, but many retailers, sophisticated retailers, have the point of purchase equipment to be able to generate it very quickly. Because every time a sale is made, it tells you the name of the cigar, you've got the price, you know how many units, all very easily searchable. And they could easily turn in that data to an accounting firm. An accounting firm would then say, okay, we'll combine this and we'll say 
okay, this represents 500 retailers or 610 retailers. They could break it down by geography. Maybe that's another way to break it down because people in Florida or the Southeast may smoke different types of cigar profiles than, say, the Midwest or the West Coast. But let me give you some examples of what Corona Cigar came out with their 2021 top-selling cigars. And they do it from 1 to 25. And I'll just, I'll just, I won't read all of them. Otherwise, we'll be here for a long time, obviously going through 75 cigars. But one of these cigars, certainly on the 2021 top-selling single-stick cigar sales, based on dollars, based on dollars. Now, you, you know you're going to see Padron in there. You know you're going to see the Davidoffs in, in there. You're going to see Super Premiums. You're going to see maybe a, 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 a Fuente Hemingway in there. Maybe you'll see a Diamond Crown. You will definitely see the more expensive cigars, clearly. That makes sense. Because if you sell a third of the amount of, a, of an eight, let's say, for example, you've got a $25 cigar. You compare it to an $8 cigar. Well, that's triple the price. So consequently, you don't need to sell triple the amount of the $8. You sell a third of the $8, and you can still win the category for the single stick sales based on dollars. And this is an interesting one that absolutely threw me. The Byron Corona 25th anniversary cigar. Absolutely threw me. Because Byron's certainly not a name that most people, I think, are familiar with, but it certainly is a cigar that's on the more expensive side. And one of the things that Corona Cigars does, probably better than anyone else, but there's other retailers that do it as well, is they have many of the manufacturers make them a special Corona brand, branded cigar. For example, the Byron Corona. Uh, that is their number one, the 25th anniversary, that is their number one selling cigar based on dollars. Now, you're not going to find that cigar at retailers in the Midwest, in the Northeast, in California. Why? Because it is exclusive to Corona cigars. Their number two selling cigar in terms of dollars, the Davidoff Tampa Bellicoso. They even can, can nail it down by size. Now, the Davidoff Tampa is a wonderful blend. It's a mild plus to medium blend, very smooth, big seller. Big seller, not an inexpensive cigar. I think it's in the $25, $28 category, but it's a great cigar. The Atabay Corona 25th Anniversary was three. Number four, the Davidoff Limited Edition Tampa 2017. And number five, one of my favorites, the Davidoff Limited Edition Tampa FSG. Placencia Almafuerte was on there, came in at number 11. That's a super premium cigar. That's a beauty. Liga Provada came in on there. The Acid Blondie Bellicoso and the Acid Blondie was in there. The Padron Anniversary 1926 Maduro was in there. Now, when we talk about top-selling single sales uh, cigar sales based on volume, the number one selling cigar at the three Corona cigar stores and the Davidoff Store and Lounge in Tampa, so four stores, the Acid Blondie. The infused cigar that has botanicals, that has herbs. And when you tell people, especially cigar connoisseurs, that acid from Drew Estate is amongst the top-selling cigars in the country, they don't believe you. They say, there's no way. I don't like a, 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 an infused cigar. I don't like anything that has that aroma. Not my thing. Not my jam. You go to many of these cigar retailers across the country, they will tell you the acid is in their top maybe three top five selling cigars. Some of the other cigars that were 
Big based on volume, they're Deadwood um, Leather Rosé, they're Deadwood Sweet Jane, Tatiana, La Vida Groovy Blue, Padron 7000 Maduro, love that cigar, can't go wrong with that. The EPC Pledge uh, prequel, the Davidoff Winston Churchill Late Hour, what else do they have on here? The Diamond Crown Number 4 Natural, the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez, and then uh, the Liga Provada Corona Doble. By box sales, in terms of dollars, number one was the Atabay Corona 25th Anniversary. Expensive cigar. My point being is this. There's a better way to determine what the top 25 cigars are. Not by a group of two, three, four, or five people from a publication or a website. It should be based upon what the consumers are smoking, what you enjoy. And I'll guarantee you that you may have one favorite cigar that you go to, but you'll probably have maybe three, four, or five that you enjoy. And chances are, when you go into your cigar retailer, you may gravitate towards your top two or three favorite cigars, but you will still be looking for something new, something different. Maybe they're out of that cigar. Last year in 2021, we saw many cigar manufacturers that were on back order. So consequently, you'd go into a cigar retailer, and what did you see? You saw open boxes of cigars, correction, closed boxes of cigars because they didn't have any of those cigars remaining. They didn't want to take the box off the shelf. They just closed the box. Were you going to go in and buy a cigar and smoke a cigar? No. You'll say, okay, they don't have cigar A, cigar B, or cigar C. Let me look for Cigar D or Cigar E. And chances are along the way you found something you enjoyed and maybe you add that to your list. To me, if all these cigar retailers or a significant percentage, the ones that represent a significant percentage of sales, as well as the online retailers, they all have the data. They should all be coming out with their top 25 cigars in terms of based on dollars and based on volume. That would be, to me, a far better indication of what the top 25 cigars are because it's based upon what consumers are buying. And doesn't that make more sense than a small group of people deciding this is what I enjoy, even though these cigars that were on the top 25 are great cigars. Now, they have some Cuban cigars on there, which clearly I've had Cuban cigars. Many of you have had Cuban cigars. They're hit or miss. And you can't get them here in the United States. So why would you even bother putting them on? I understand that they have some magazine sales and viewers, uh, website uh, viewers in Cuba or Europe or Asia, but their number one market by far is the United States. But people no longer, and what's interesting is when you look at the top 25 cigars that Corona put on here by volume and by dollars, there was not a lot of cross-pollinization, if you will, between the Cigar Aficionado Top 25 and what they were selling, what's on, on Corona's list, which leads me to believe that consumers are going to buy what they enjoy no matter what you say, what I say, what anybody else says. And that's the way it should be. And I've always recommended cigars, but I've always told people, your palate is different than mine. And when people would call and say, General, I'm looking for a medium-bodied cigar. Can you give me some recommendations? I would always say, great, let me give you some recommendations, but let's narrow it down. Give me a price point. Oh, you want something that's going to be between $7 and $9? Great. This cigar, this cigar, and this cigar. 
And my caveat was always, and is always, try those cigars. You may gravitate towards one of those, or you may find something else you enjoy. But there's no right, there's no wrong. Everybody's palate is different. So what I say to the Premium Cigar Association is perhaps at the end of 2022, you could come up with a plan whereby retailers that have the point-of-sale data readily available could share that into a confidential database, and then you could release that to the public to see what cigars are actually moving, both on based on dollars and based on volume, the number of cigars sold. Far more efficient, far more accurate way of determining what cigars are truly the top 25. Otherwise, it's all subjective. I could come up with my own top 25, and I'll guarantee you they're all great cigars, but you may say, Hey, General, you got too many full-flavored cigars in there. You got too many Maduros in there. I like a Connecticut. I like a mild cigar. I like a medium. I like a super, super full. Doesn't mean they're good. Doesn't mean they're bad. Everybody's palate is different. That would be a far better way. And what's interesting is in the past, you know, the top ones, the first, certainly the number one cigar, would there would be a massive run. All retailers would call the manufacturer that was awarded that cigar, and they'd have a massive run. And then I think what has happened the last number of years is there still is somewhat of a run, but I think the cigar consumer, I know the cigar consumer has become far more sophisticated. They're far more refined in what they're looking for. And they're not going to be swayed by what other people say. They're going to say, let me try the cigar. I'll try it once. And that's the beautiful thing about a cigar, as opposed to a bottle of whiskey or a bottle of gin or a bottle of wine. One cigar costs you $7, $6, $8, $20. You get a bottle of scotch, you're talking 40, 50, 70, 80, 100. You buy that bottle, you take a sip, and you find, oh, this is either too peaty for me, it's too mild for me, it's too full for me, it's not my thing. Well, you're stuck with a bottle of 80 or $100 scotch that you didn't want. That's the beautiful part about a cigar. You don't have to go out and buy a box of cigars. You can sample one. And then you determine whether or not you enjoy it. That's what makes the cigar industry, I think, and cigar connoisseurs, that's what really drives it, the fact that you can go in and buy one cigar, smoke that cigar, and you determine, not a tasting panel, not me, not anyone else, you determine what your favorite cigars are. And that's the way it should be. You have a palate that is different than everyone else's. Doesn't mean your palate is better, weaker, more sophisticated, or less refined. It means buy what you enjoy, and that's the way it should be. Don't listen to anyone else. You make your own decision. Earlier this week, we did an experiment. For the first time, we conducted our first Twitter Spaces broadcast. Now, if you are not familiar with Twitter Spaces, it is essentially the opportunity to engage in two-way conversation between a host or multiple hosts and those that are tuning in. So if you have, if you can listen to Twitter spaces on your desktop, but it's far easier on either your Android or your iPhone with the Twitter app. And you can find spaces, you can get notifications. We sent out a notification. And so we did it as an experiment and we learned there's about four or five things that we would change. 
but it was our first Twitter Spaces broadcast. And what we like about that is the fact that we can, number one, if something grabs me, I can immediately, immediately send out a tweet. Goes to those of you that follow us and make sure you set an alert. So when I do tweet out something, you get that alert and it shows up on your phone. You can join in on the Twitter Spaces broadcast. Further, you can participate on the conversation. Many people say, well, General, the one thing I miss about the terrestrial radio show every Saturday is the interaction, the the one-on-one conversation, being able to pick up the phone and call and to discuss and ask questions, chime in on input, provide commentary, whatever the case may be. What I always said was when I started the Cigar Dave show, the the predecessor called Smoke This, and then we changed the name about four years later, five years later to the Cigar Dave Show, is the fact that we were the world's largest cigar club, the world's largest social club, where we light up a cigar, have a cocktail, and we can interact, just like we're doing at a cigar retailer or a cigar lounge, or even just three, four people in a backyard or two people smoking a cigar and discussing the problems of the world and solving the problems of the world. So I've said that the one thing, and you have stated in the emails to me, CigarDave at CigarDave.com, if you care to send me an electronic communication, CigarDave at CigarDave.com, is that you miss that interaction. Well, now with Twitter Spaces, we will have that interaction. And we'll also create just special space broad Twitter Space broadcast where we've had people saying, General, you know, I, I, I'd love to be able to ask you questions and incorporate it in the show. Well, since we don't do the show live, the Cigar Dave show live Saturdays anymore because we do it either Saturday morning or we'll do it Friday afternoon and then we will post the podcast, the Cigar Dave show podcast to any of the various uh, podcast aggregators. We miss having that interaction. So now we'll be able to do that and incorporate that interaction into our Saturday Cigar Dave Show broadcast as well as our Bold Alpha broadcasts as well. So be on the lookout. If you're not following me at Twitter, at Cigar Dave Show, same thing with Getter. Getter is at Cigar Dave, G-E-T-T-R. That is a Twitter competitor. They don't censor because, let's face it, we know that evil tech has been censoring. They've censored things along the Wuhan virus, the lab leak theory, ivermectin, vaccines. If you have the audacity as a scientist to question the safety of vaccines, especially the Wuhan virus vaccine, boom, they're deplatforming. What that tells me is that is very Stalinistic. That is very Maoist. That when you are afraid of other people spouting their opinion or providing their opinion, You don't want to listen to it. You're afraid. You're insecure. You shut them down. Classic. You shut them down. We don't want to shut anybody down on the Cigar Dave show. Agree with me? Disagree with me? No problem. I remember the lovely Ms. Kate would always say to me, General, we have several callers. They're very irate at you and they disagree. Would you like to take the call? I said, of course, Ms. Kate. You know my answer to that. I can debate Anybody. I have no problem with that. I'm very secure. What we find for the libs, the socialists, the Marxists, the Democrats, why do they want to shut down speech? Why do they all need safe spaces? Why do we see free speech shut down on college campuses? Because they're insecure. They cannot back their position. I've always said, if you believe in a, you have an opinion, back it up, stand by it. Debate it. If you have facts on your side, what are you worried about? I find it very interesting 
that big tech, the libstream media, the Democrat Party, they want to shut down dissenting opinion on Biden's job performance, on the economy, on the vaccines, on the use of ivermectin or other therapeutics. All of a sudden, if you mention those things, Fuhrer Fauci and his pals over at Evil Tech and the Libstream media will shut you down. They will cancel you. Why? Because they don't have an argument. They cannot debate you because you have facts. And when I hear phony Fauci, whenever he is challenged on anything that he's wrong on, when facts show that he's wrong, what's his standard answer? You, Senator, do not know what you're talking about. You, Congressman, do not know what you're talking about. You, Mr. Anchorman, do not know what you're talking about. You are simply wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. Standard answer by Fuhrer Fauci. Debate with a liberal sometimes, or sometimes. Go ahead and try it. Here's what happens. You'll have facts on your side. You'll win the debate. You'll win the argument. After about five minutes, they get so frustrated because they can't back up their position. What do they do? I'm done. You know what? I can't reason with you. you, you you're not listening to rational, just uh, rational sense. I'm done. And they leave like a little three-year-old. Classic. So the nice thing about Twitter Spaces, we can have two-way conversation. We're going to be doing many of those throughout the upcoming, well, in the future. Now, we may do some during the day. We tried one about 1 o'clock Eastern time. I think we're going to do more along the lines of 6 or 7 o'clock. That's when we're probably going to do it. So be on the lookout. We'll do more of these, the Twitter Spaces. If you do not now get, a, get an alert, when I tweet something or we go live on Twitter Spaces, just go into, when you go into the profile at Cigar Dave Show, you will see that there's a little box that you can check that says, get alerts. So as soon as I go live or as soon as we, I tweet something, boom, you will see it. And I think Getter is going to get the same thing. And I believe, Sergeant Steve, doesn't Facebook have something similar as well? Uh, they do. I haven't messed with that one yet. And then there's also Clubhouse as well. Yeah, what is Clubhouse? I'm not familiar. It's essentially with Twitter Spaces, but it's an audio-only mm. app. Okay, we may take a look at that as well. Mm -hmm. So we will we will certainly expand our reach on that. And the nice thing is that what we're going to do on all our Twitter Spaces, or most of them, I should say, that if there's some topic that grabs me, some big event, we'll do a Twitter Spaces. We can get the interactivity with the our followers, with our listeners, and then we'll post that. We'll upload that as a podcast so that everyone, if they miss the Twitter spaces, they will still be able to, if they subscribe to the Cigar Dave Show or Bold Alpha Podcast, it'll push right to their podcast aggregator. All right, when we come back, we'll conduct the National Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony. You count on me to fill you in about new cigars that you should be adding to your cigar repertoire, your humidors. So I've got two cigars from Gurkha that I will fill you in just launched last fall. Both the Gurkha Revenant Corojo and the Gurkha Revenant Maduro medium-bodied cigars, each with a slightly different taste profile. Both are square-pressed, feel great in the hand, outstanding cigar smoking experience. First up, the Corojo features a Honduran Corojo wrapper, Cameroon binder, Dominican Nicaraguan, and a special classified broadleaf between the Cameroon binder 
and the broadleaf, you get some sweetness. The Honduran Corojo gives it a little bit of a peppery note. When we talk about the Gurkha Revenant Maduro, features one of my favorite wrappers, the Mexican San Andrean Marron wrapper. A beautiful Maduro, same Cameroon binder. The filler has a little bit of a twist. Still has the Nicaraguan and the sweet broadleaf, but it features a Dominican T13 hybrid tobacco. Very unique hybrid cross, great flavors, nice strength, not overpowering. Each Gurkha Revenant between the Corojo and Maduro, slightly different flavor profiles, both on the medium to medium plus side. Can't go wrong. Comes in both a Robusto and a Toro. Great price in the $7, $7.5 area. Check out your retailer. Try a Gurkha Revenant Corojo or a Gurkha Revenant Maduro. You will thank me. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, I am in the mood for a cigar that was blended by one of my longtime pals in the cigar industry that we certainly miss, the great Avo Uvasion. Avo was a known, well-known musician, started his cigars down in Puerto Rico. He loves cigars. He went to the Dominican Republic, worked with Hanky Kellner, one of the great blenders, great cigar manufacturers, cigar legends. And he blended a cigar that he would enjoy. And then when he went back to Puerto Rico to at the El San Juan Hotel to play piano, he would have a box and he would sell them. And the next thing you know, he was selling more and more cigars. And then the Avo cigar lineup was born and the rest is history and avo passed away oh geez i think now it's been what is it sergeant steve like four years something along those lines if i'm not mistaken say was it five was it 2017 maybe it was five and we missed the great avo always had his white suit his straw hat i can't tell you the number of times i'd meet him in orlando for lunch and he'd hand me a cigar and he'd say dave smoke this cigar and i'd say okay he goes best cigar I've ever made. I said, Avo, you told me that last year. I was bullshitting you. This is even better. Avo every year for his birthday. March 22nd, same birthday as Cigar Mother, Piera, and Pendragon's, uh, Pendragon's Royal Baron, my canine security detail. They both, all three, share the same birthday, March 22nd. This March will be five years that we lost Avo. Five years, yep, five years. Avo was just a wonderful guy. Really miss him. Made great cigars, had a great passion. Everybody swarmed around Avo. Just, just a wonderful guy. And so in his honor, and just, I've had this, I've been staring at a box of Avo Heritages for the last couple of weeks. The folks over at Davidoff, every so often they'll send me, on a regular basis, they'll say, hey, General, you know what, um, we're going to send you some of these. Uh, you know what, we just want to send you, because I know you love these cigars. They'll send me the Avo Classic. So I've had several boxes of Avo sitting at Command Center Alpha, right in front of my desk. And this Avo box, this Avo Heritage box has been staring at me. And so this morning, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to open up that box because I just have this craving for an Avo Heritage. This is the result of an incredible collaboration. And it really celebrates the heritage of the many talented farmers, the blenders, the rollers who contributed uh, the legacy and passion into making the Avo Heritage. It is a medium plus cigar. Beautiful looking cigar. Just has an Ecuadorian wrapper. Just a fantastic looking stick. In fact, 
as I look at this stick, I mean, I remember when Avo first told me he was going to blend this cigar. He told me the name of it. He gave me some samples, and he said, Avo Heritage. And I said, all right, so Avo, what's so special about this cigar? And he said, just the amalgamation of tobaccos, the way that we age this cigar, the look, just everything about it, he said, you're going to love. Okay. So I smoked it, and he was right. And of course, Avo Heritage. I love the Avo Classic. That was certainly one of my early favorites. Always love that cigar. But the Avo Heritage, I'll never forget when it first came out, just the packaging, the box. And then since, it's been repackaged a little bit. The Avo band is a little bit more contemporary, but still retains that AVO classic look. Dark wood box, fabulous cigar. Again, Ecuadorian wrapper, Dominican filler and binder, Avo, Hanky Kellner. They worked on this cigar. It is an absolute beauty. Suggested retail for this cigar is in the $9 category. This is the Robusto. Classic size, four and a half inches in uh, correction. This is a four inch length cigar with a 56 ring gauge. So this is a nice short Robusto. Got my hands on it. Wonderful aroma. Ah, the Avo Heritage, perfect way to start the uh, NFL Divisional Round weekend. My Buffalo Bills taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I'm not going to select a victory cigar until after the game. Don't want to jinx anything, but I have a feeling I know what I'm going to smoke, but I will not reveal it because, again, we like being the underdogs. The Bills are underdogs. We like that. We're not getting the love. We're getting some love, but... Other teams are getting more love. That's okay. We like being the underdog. We like being Buffalo against the world. Last weekend, the Bills decimated, destroyed, pulverized, crushed, whacked, absolutely embarrassed the New England Patsies, 47-17. to 17. Oh, and the points they got, the 10 points out of the 17, that came in mop-up cleanup time when the Bills had their second and third stringers in. Game was over after the first quarter. They piled it on. My Buffalo Bills are ready to head to Kansas City and circle the Chiefs' wagons. Avo Heritage, my cigar today. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready for action. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. I've got my new Cigar Dave R&D Research and Development Labs grenade because this feels like a grenade. It's got an, kind of a bulbous tank. Feels good in your hand. There's a giant flame. It's got the green camo. It looks like a grenade. The... R&D lab workers, the guys that wear the white coats with the pocket protectors, the geeks, they've been working nonstop on this grenade. Love this lightation device. That's what I will use today on the Avo Heritage Short Robusto. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. Let me toast the foot of this Avo Heritage Short Robusto. Again, I am now just toasting. The flame is not touching the foot of the cigar. Got it held on a 45 degree angle. 
towards the heat. I'm allowing heat to cause combustion, not the flame. And now I just toast the foot all over the foot, but now specifically, I'm just toasting the edges of the wrapper. I want the wrapper and binder to burn before the filler. Very important. We get 50-60% of the flavor of a cigar from the wrapper. You want that burning first. You don't want it canoeing, meaning the wrapper's not burning and the filler is burning. It looks like the inside of a canoe. We do not want that. All right, now I will just toast the filler. Now I'll puff and rotate. Here we go. Oh, heavenly, sensual, mm, erotic, exotic. Mm. And blow on the foot. Perfect, even amber glow. Magnificent. Now, let me just take a few more puffs here. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Hmm. Definitely notes of cocoa. Again, it's not going to taste like you're going to walk into a store and say, oh, give me that cigar because it tastes like cocoa and cake and chocolate. No, 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 no. Just subtle notes. Mm. I should also say hmm, that it's got some creaminess, a little bit of almost a cashew-like complexion. Very nice. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very nice. Very pleasant. Take another sip our puff here. Mm. Very nice. Very nice. Smooth, medium, medium plus. Not going to just destroy your palate. If you like a medium-bodied cigar, you're going to love this. I got news for you. If you like a mild-bodied cigar, mild plus, you will like this as well. Full-bodied, you will like this. It's a great cigar. Nice price. Very elegant. The Avo Heritage Short Robusto by Cigar Selection for today. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, I am in the mood today, not for an alcoholic libation, but I'm in the mood for a nice, freshly ground, freshly brewed cup of coffee. Espresso, to be specific. So I have just made some... Cafe Pion, very famous down in Miami, a nice espresso roast. Now, I ground it. <clears throat> I took a, a grinder, so I ground it. You can get it in a whole bean, or you can get it certainly as like a brick where it's already ground. Nope, I like the whole bean. Very popular down in South Florida and uh, all Florida, really. Very hearty blend, very Cuban-esque, if you will. So I made the espresso and my... Espresso machine, freshly ground. I have both an espresso and a machine that can do ground. The Pion has nice flavor to it. Let me take a sip. Mm. And I do not use much sweetener at all. I use stevia, the liquid stevia, just like two drops, just to cut a little bit of the bitterness. That's it. I don't want it sweet. I just like the natural coffee bean 
taste. And that's exactly what I have with my pion. Let me take a puff of my Avo Heritage. Mm. Mm -hmm. Great combo. Now, Nespresso goes well. Any coffee. The number one libation that is enjoyed with a cigar. Everybody thinks it's scotch, wine, cognac, port. Nope. Coffee. Coffee or espresso. So my Pion Gourmet Espresso Blend. Beautiful. Nice and hot. Take another sip here in my little espresso cup. Mm-mm-mm. Fantastic. All right. Cigar is lit. My Cafe Pion is espresso soothing my throat. And when we come back, we will talk about something that is beyond the mind to even imagine a company would even spend time on. And it involves M&Ms. Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. You won't believe what I'm about to tell you. Avo Cigars has just launched the newest addition to the Avo Synchro series entitled the Avo Synchro Caribe. Fourth line in the Avo Synchro series, it is centered around the concept of tobacco synchronization. They incorporate the diversity, complexity, and compatibility of cigar tobaccos from the Caribbean and Central America to create a natural harmony, a Caribbean soul, a very dynamic cigar. It uses natural distribution. What does that mean? The proportions of the cigar tobaccos on any given plant perfectly matched in the blending process. So what you get is a Dominican wrapper. You get filler tobaccos from Nicaragua, a binder from Ecuador that are matched absolutely perfectly. The taste, a lively, dynamic, harmonious flavor profile of Caribbean flavors, aromatic spices, some complex cocoa, a beautiful medium-bodied cigar with subtle sweetness resembling tropical fruits. The flavors, rhythm, and lifestyle of the tropics are encapsulated in the new Avo Synchro Caribe, available now at your cigar retailer or DavidoffGeneva.com. We now live in a woke society. Everything has got to be woke. We have now directors of inclusion and directors and vice presidents of diversity and inclusion and belonging a title that is so such such full of bullshit. Like, oh, we need a vice president to make sure people think they belong. Look, I have no problem with diversity. This country is naturally diverse. We don't need an executive to say, oh, or a school to say, oh, I'm going to be the chief diversity, inclusion, and belonging officer. Get woke, go broke. Let me give you a perfect example. Mars Incorporated, privately held company, multi, 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 multi billions and trillions and zillions of sales of various foods, as Bernard Sanders would say. And, uh, Mar uh, Mars known for primarily candy. You know them for their M&Ms, for their Snickers bar, for their Milky Way, Three Musketeers. But they also, Uncle Ben's Rice, 
many other products you may not even realize. They are a huge food conglomerate that is still privately held, family-owned, the Mars family, based in the suburbs of Washington. Well, M&Ms, Mars, are now joining the woke train. They announced earlier this week that they now have a global commitment to creating a world where everyone feels they belong and society is inclusive. Therefore, they are going to make their cartoon M&M characters more inclusive. It's M&M's. They're candy. Nobody believes for a second that these fictional M&M characters, they feature in their ads, whether they're print ads or their, their video ads, Nobody believes these characters are real. And they've created these M&M characters, the various colors, to each have various personalities. As part of the new mission to increase the sense of belonging for 10 million people around the world by 2025, Mars said that their M&M characters, who serve as mascots for the brand, would be receiving fresh new looks. I mean, I am almost shocked, number one, that I'm talking about this, but the reason I'm sharing it with you is to show you the stupidity and the absurdity, and further, that a company's executives would even spend two seconds on something of such a ridiculous nature boggles my mind, that the CEO, their VPs of marketing, their brand managers would actually take probably months and months and hundreds of hours to talk about making our cartoon characters more inclusive, making them more woke, changing their personalities and what they wear. So let me give you some examples. First of all, I've seen these characters. I've never once noticed them, the differentiation, what they wear, how they talk. It's real simple. To me, Mars should make M&Ms, sell M&Ms, People eat M&M's and be done with it. It's candy. That's it. It is candy. Chocolate. Sugar. That's it. It's not some social experiment. It's not some social justice platform. So what they are going to do now is first up the green M&M, previously seen in ads posing seductively, and strutting her stuff in white go-go boots, will now sport a pair of sneakers. Now, she was portrayed as a very sexy female, sultry voice, white go-go boots. That portrayal is no more. Changing it. Not happening anymore. Nope. Not happening anymore. Because we can't have her being sexy. No, 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 no. We have to make her, because not every woman has a sexy voice. So therefore, to be more inclusive for women that do not have sexy voices, we have to change it. So now they're changing her to be being a hype woman for my friends, whatever the hell that means. The green M&M said on their promotional site, as if the, an M&M is really going to talk, I think we all win when we see more women in leading roles, so I'm happy to take on the part of supportive friend when they succeed. Okay. The brown M&M, 
is now being less bossy. They're changing it to not bossy, just the boss. Now, did anybody even notice that the brown M&M was bossy? I had no clue. Couldn't even tell you. Now it gets better. Because in a tweet that was sent on the M&M site, it implied and hinted that the two female M&Ms, the green M&M and the brown M&M, were intimate. And this is what it says. It's rare Ms. Brown and I get to spend time together without some colorful characters barging in, said Ms. Green. Great. We've got lesbian M&Ms now. Lesbian M&Ms. Because when someone purchases M&Ms to eat, it's not just enough for them to enjoy the sweet taste of M&Ms. No, 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 no. Now they have to say, well, geez, this green M&M and brown M&M that I just ate, they're sexually active. And so now we have two lesbians in our M&M pack. Again, I don't care if you're lesbian, bisexual, trisexual, quadrisexual, what is it, LGBT, transsexual, transgender, queer, multi-queer, quadruple queer, I don't care. They're cartoon characters. These are candy pieces, M&Ms. Again, talk about a company outthinking things. This is a perfect example. Now, they said that in announcing the refreshment or the refreshing of the M&M characters, that will have an updated tone of voice that is more inclusive, welcoming, unifying, while remaining rooted in our signature jester, wit, and humor for the green M&M. Catherine Slight, Mars's, Mars Wrigley's chief growth officer, said, as one of the world's most iconic candy brands, who better to commit to a world with more moments of fun by increasing a sense of belonging around the globe than M&M's? Again, my mind is going into overdrive meltdown, thinking that this woman, Catherine Slight, their chief growth officer, and the other uh, uh, senior executives, including Anton Vincent, the president of Mars Wrigley North America, actually had tons of meetings on this, probably worked with their ad agency for months, maybe a year, on changing the look of the cartoon characters. Oh, the orange M&M shoes will no longer be untied. Now, how many of you noticed that in their ads? Both the red and yellow M&Ms will now have laced shoes, not slip-ons. The changes in footwear are more representative of our consumer and a subtle clue, but it's a cue people really pick up on, according to Anton Vincent, the president of Mars Wrigley, North America. Orange will also lose his obnoxious person or his anxious personality. He'll become more confident. He'll embrace his true self, worries and all. That's good. Because when I eat an orange M&M, I can tell you, I get ready to put that orange M&M in my mouth. And the first thing I say is, oh, easy now, orange M&M. I know you're anxious that I'm going to chomp down on you. And my chompers are going to just decimate your little chocolate inside and your orange outside. But I want you to be more confident. Embrace your true self as I chomp down on this M&M and swallow it. They think that by making these changes, they're improving the idea of belonging. This is nothing but absolute 
piled high, deep, steaming horseshit. That's the only way you can say this. Again, it's candy. Make M&M, sell M&M, eat M&M. It's not that hard. What are they going to do to the peanut M&Ms? Because the peanut M&Ms are a little rotund because of the peanuts. Are they going to do something to change that? To make it more inclusive? Maybe you won't get a full peanut. Maybe you'll get a half peanut in there now. The mere fact that a company would spend, I guarantee you they spent millions of dollars on this. And hundreds of hours wasting time on this. Something that nobody, no kid, no adult will even notice is just mind-boggling to me. And it just goes to prove, get woke, go broke. They look like a bunch of horses' asses. Speaking of a horse's ass, this week, the World Economic Forum, being held in, well, it's normally held in Davos, Switzerland. You probably heard the term, oh, that the Davos conference, they're in Davos this week, the Davos convention, the Davos meeting. The World Economic Forum, is known primarily as by Davos, the city in which Switzerland in which it is held. The founder of Davos is an economist who this week, earlier this week, made the statement as he opened the conference saying we have to, as a world, do more to end the pandemic and address climate change and so on and so forth. And who's the first guest speaker that he introduces? the dictator of China, Xi Jinping, the man and the Chinese communist leader of the Chinese Communist Party that gave us the Wuhan virus, the pandemic, along with Fuhrer Fauci, because he funded the gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab. And that is fact. That's not maybe, that's not somewhat, that's not maybe there's an 80% chance, 100% metaphysical uh, certitude, take it to the bank. We know that. It's all coming out now. The truth always comes out. And Fauci is going to be under major heat. So the guy who is responsible for hiding the danger of the Wuhan virus from the world, who didn't warn the world, who allowed Chinese people to, citizens to keep traveling overseas and spread the virus, who went out and sucked up all the personal protective gear when they knew what was going on and then inflicted it upon the rest of the world and the rest of the world's economy. And then you had to go back to China and buy all that PPE shit from them at inflated prices. This is the clown that's going to lead off the World Economic Forum. And who attends this? Major corporation CEOs. Billionaires, zillionaires, trillionaires, these are the elite of the elite. They'll talk about climate change, that we have a major problem. The earth is warming, we need to address it. But yet, they'll fly to Davos on their private jet. And then when they're done on their private jet, they'll fly their private jet down to the Caribbean to board their yacht for a week or two of R&R after attending the three, four-day Davos World Economic Forum. But yet, you've got to drive an electric car, You've got to stop using an ele- an, a, 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 a carbon-powered vehicle. You need, in the winter, to lower your thermostat so you don't use carbon fuel to heat your house. And in the summer, 
You need to raise your thermostat. You can't be cool and comfortable. No, it uses too much energy. But these are the same people that in the winter, their homes are set to 72 degrees, and in the summer, 68 degrees. They'll be nice and toasty in the winter, nice and cool and comfy in the summer, while you either freeze your ass off or you roast your ass off in the summer. Never believe these people. And here's a perfect example of the absolute blatant arrogance of the attendees of the World Economic Forum. And this is what they truly think of you and I. This is what they think of the masses. And this is a woman who was speaking. I don't know who she was, but I heard this soundbite and I said, this must be played and must be shared. It is indicative of how these elitists look down to you and I. Take a listen. At Davos a few years ago, you know, the Edelman survey showed us that the good news is the elite across the world trust each other more and more. So we can come together and design and do beautiful things together. The bad news is that in every single country they were polling, the majority of people trusted that elite less. So we can lead, but... Can you believe what she said? I'm shocked she said it on video. The good news is the elites, the fellow elites, trust us more. We can then design and do beautiful things like shoving bullshit climate change legislation upon hard, ordinary working people. They're the ones that are going to get hit. They're the ones that won't be able to buy a carbon-powered car, a gas-powered car, that costs probably 60% of the cost of an electrically-fueled car, electrically-powered car. They can do beautiful things like create excessive taxation and create a pandemic to lock people down so that the elite get wealthier while the lower middle class get screwed. Sergeant Steve, hit that soundbite one more time and just listen to the arrogance in this woman's voice. At Davos a few years ago, you know, the Edelman survey showed us that the good news is the elite across the world trust each other more and more. So we can come together and design and do beautiful things together. The bad news is that in every single country they were polling, the majority of people trusted that elite less. So we can lead, but... No shit. Of course, most people don't trust the elite because they know that they don't have the interests of anyone except their, the elite and their fellow elite, number one. Everyone else gets screwed. The rest of the world has woken up to the bullshit going on with these supposed elite, these 1,200 people that are uber-wealthy, and I have no problem. I'm 100% capitalist. But these are the people that tell you that you're responsible for climate change, that you've got to be more cognizant of using less carbon fuel, and yet these are the people that have no problem traveling in their private jets and their private yachts and their private helicopters, living in their humongous mansions, burning fuel left and right. It's do as I say, not as I do. They're not going to be inconvenienced. They all are for a global tax on, on carbon fuels. You think it's going to affect them? 
They'll find a loophole. They don't care. You and I will get screwed. But the arrogance, the gall, the chutzpah of this woman to say, well, the good news is we trust each other. The bad news is other people don't. Gee, I wonder why. Just the fact that this woman would say that publicly shows you the total disdain for the rest of the world, the rest of the working world. They don't care, these 1,200 people. They get together. They're in a little bubble. They're in a little enclave. They could care less about everybody else. They're going to live large, which, fine, I have no problem with, but then you're going to get screwed. There is a reason the elite have gotten wealthier the last umpteen years. It's because the banks, the Federal Reserve Bank in the United States, the European Central Bank, they have dropped interest rates to zero. All in the name of, oh, we need to boost the economy. you got to keep the market, stock market going. Well, when you can't make any money in a savings account, or you can't make any money buying government bonds or even corporate bonds because the interest rates are so low, what happens? You have more dollars chasing in the stock market. And the stocks have gone up, 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 all fueled by funny money, by the massive printing of money that the Fed prints, and then they buy it and put it on their balance, balance sheet. It's a non-cash transaction. It's a joke. So the whole economy is flooded with money. Why do you think if you're trying to go buy a house right now, there are 15 people all offering over asking, and you can't find a house? I've talked to friends of mine that have said, hey, we bid on 12, 14, 15 houses. We'll bid 50 grand over, 75 grand over, 100 grand over, and we miss out, and now we've got fatigue. Go look at the inventory. Go to Zillow or Redfin.com. Look at the inventory of houses across the country. It's non-existent. And interest rates have plummeted. When you dole out free money, 1%, 1.5%, 2%, what happens? People look and say, hey, it's free money. I can easily afford to pay 50 grand over. It's not going to affect me on my mortgage because it's basically free money. No problem. I pay that over 30 years. It's like no interest. It's free money. And the Wall Street firms, the private equity firms, are borrowing money at one, one and a half points. I mean, think about that. Interest rates, they're getting loans at one to one and a half percent. You can't get that. Go into a regular bank and say, hey, I'm a business. I'm a small business. I want to borrow money. Okay, well, that'll be 5 6%. But if you're private equity on Wall Street or a major corporation, hey, 1%, sign right here, no problem. Free money. Why do you think we have rampant inflation? Why do you think people can't get houses? Why do you think that the inventory of houses are virtually non-existent? Because these Wall Street private equity firms are going in in one shot and buying whole communities. While people who are trying to get their first house are getting screwed. Look at inflation. Look at the cost of apartments. Gone up like crazy across the country. Who gets screwed? The working people get screwed. But the people in Davos, the elites, they'll do just fine. But as we've seen the last few days, last week, the stock market has been tanking in a major down. Why is that? Well, when all of a sudden you know you have to raise interest rates, because the Fed has screwed this, they've screwed the pooch. They, 
Jerome Powell wanted to get renominated. Want to get renominated as the Fed chairman. So what did he do? He purposely kept rates down, even though inflation is rampant over the last 10, 11 months, almost a year. Fuel prices up 60-70%, meat prices, egg prices, housing prices, you name it, all up. And instead of saying, last March or April, inflation's going to be a problem, we need to start raising interest rates. No. Instead, he came up with this bullshit, inflation is transient. I've never heard of transient inflation, basically meaning it's just here for a short time. And then he admits three weeks ago or two weeks ago in front of Congress, well, it's very apparent that the inflation is not transient. It's, it's here to stay. But we think it's going to moderate. Great, it'll moderate after having that huge jump this year. Who gets screwed? You and I. The working people of the world get screwed. The debt that has been placed upon this country, European countries, Asian countries, will not be paid back today, not be paid back tomorrow, won't be paid back ever. Ever. And so now what happens is you've got a stock market where people are saying, uh, you know what, this thing has gone up, up, up. It can't keep going up. You know, what goes up must come down a little bit. So they know that with interest rates, the Fed now has signaled maybe two, maybe three, possibly four interest, and it won't be enough. It will not be enough. They're going to say, well, we'll do a quarter point here, quarter point. You want to tame inflation? Raise interest rates to three, the, the Fed rate to 3% tomorrow. Watch what happens. Mortgage rates go up to 4 or 5%. That'll start cooling the market. Inflation will start cooling. That's what they're going to have to do. They don't want to do it. And so what will happen is we're going to have more inflation. And eventually, the only way out of it will be to hike interest rates so large like we had in the 80s. Interest rates hit, I think, 18, 20, 21%. Had to choke the economy, get into a recession to cool inflation, and then you build it back up slowly again. But these clowns at the Fed, these elitists at Davos, they do not have your interest at heart. They could care less about you. The proof is in the pudding. What this woman said about the elite is exactly what the truth is. The fact that she had the unmitigated gall to say it is almost hard to believe. But she did. And so now we know the truth. So as they're gathering virtually in Davos and you are trying to find a house, or you are trying to make your dollar stretch when you go into the supermarket, you're screwed. The elite aren't. You're screwed. There's going to be a day of reckoning, my fellow alphas, and it is upon us. The stock market is step one. And don't think for a second that Powell's not thinking, well, geez, maybe we announce we won't do it because i got to keep that stock market goosed, especially for the elites. Too late. Too late. They do that, it's game over. Inflation goes through the roof. This economy will eventually super overheat and we'll be in for a massive corrective bubble. Leave it to the elite. They're the geniuses. Everybody else gets screwed. You count on me to fill you in about new cigars that you should be adding to your cigar or repertoire, your humidors. So I've got two cigars from Gurkha that I will fill you in just launched last fall. Both 
the Gurkha Revenant Corojo and the Gurkha Revenant Maduro medium-bodied cigars, each with a slightly different taste profile. Both are square-pressed, feel great in the hand, outstanding cigar smoking experience. First up, the Corojo features a Honduran Corojo wrapper, Cameroon binder, Dominican Nicaraguan, and a special classified broadleaf. Between the Cameroon binder and the broadleaf, you get some sweetness. The Honduran Corojo gives it a little bit of a peppery note. When we talk about the Gurkha Revenant Maduro, features one of my favorite wrappers, the Mexican San Andrean Maron wrapper, a beautiful Maduro, same Cameroon binder. The filler has a little bit of a twist. Still has the Nicaraguan and the sweet broadleaf, but it features a Dominican T13 hybrid tobacco. Very unique hybrid cross. Great flavors. Nice strength. Not overpowering. Each Gurkha Revenant between the Corojo and Maduro, slightly different flavor profiles, both on the medium to medium plus side. Can't go wrong. Comes in both a Robusto and a Toro. Great price in the $7, $7.5 area. Check out your retailer. Try a Gurkha Revenant Corojo or a Gurkha Revenant Maduro. You will thank me. Be sure to subscribe to our brother podcast, Bold Alpha, where we talk the alpha male lifestyle, including cigars, libations, technology, grilling, politics, and more. Search Bold Alpha anywhere you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. Avo Cigars has just launched the newest addition to the Avo Synchro series entitled the Avo Synchro Caribe. Fourth line in the Avo Synchro series, it is centered around the concept of tobacco synchronization. They incorporate the diversity, complexity, and compatibility of cigar tobaccos from the Caribbean and Central America to create a natural harmony, a Caribbean soul, a very dynamic cigar. It uses natural distribution. What does that mean? The proportions of the cigar tobaccos on any given plant perfectly matched in the blending process. So what you get is a Dominican wrapper. You get filler tobaccos from Nicaragua, a binder from Ecuador that are matched absolutely perfectly. The taste, a lively, dynamic, harmonious flavor profile of Caribbean flavors, aromatic spices, some complex cocoa, a beautiful medium-bodied cigar with subtle sweetness resembling tropical fruits. The flavors, rhythm, and lifestyle of the tropics are encapsulated in the new Avo Synchro Caribe, available now at your cigar retailer or DavidoffGeneva.com. I've always said that when there are good cops, we recognize them. When there are bad cops, we must call them out. I'm not one of these individuals Many of the media that say, oh, we must back the blue at all costs. I don't believe in that. I believe we should back the good blue and we should castigate the bad blue. And I believe that for any profession, whether it's medicine, whether it's law, whether it's banking, there are good apples and there are bad apples. There's far more good apples than bad apples, but there are significant bad apples. We've seen this multiple times in many police forces. I believe that there is a, not a majority, not, uh, I think there's a good number of younger cops that are coming on, and I've spoken to many younger cops who have agreed with me, as well as older cops. There is a core of cops that are being hired now that, in many cases, 
have psychopathic tendencies. You can pick these guys out. They've got the big-time bulked-up muscles, certainly thanks to some testosterone and anabolic steroids. Their shirts are about two sizes too small, so they're big guns, meaning their muscles are showing through. They're on a power trip. These guys are on a power trip. This gives them a big sense of authority. Not everybody. We have a lot of good cops out there that are not like that. But I can tell you, I've spoken to several over the last few weeks that have all told me, hey, what we are seeing now is a different kind of cop that we saw 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. You're seeing guys now that come into the force, and these guys are looking for confrontation. They thrive on it. I mean, they get the adrenaline flowing. They're, they're into it. We've seen numerous cases. But let me point out a particular case that was just revealed last week that took place November 19th in Sunrise, Florida, Broward County, South Florida. Broward is home to Fort Lauderdale, just north of Dade County. Sunrise, certainly a, a nice suburb. An incident occurred on November 9th when officers were called to a convenience store after complaints about an individual committing aggravated battery. A man reportedly attacked several people outside the business, according to Sunrise Police Chief Anthony Rosa. Cops were trying to place the suspect inside the patrol, patrol car, but he resisted. The chief told one of the TV stations in South Florida, in Miami, that once the suspect was inside, but refusing to allow the doors to close, one of the police officers involved approached and engaged in a verbal altercation with the suspect in a manner that he felt was inappropriate and unprofessional. That's according to the chief. Now, the name of the officer in question is Sergeant Christopher Police. Kind of an interesting name. Police. P-U-L-L-E-A-S-E. Maybe it's pronounced police. Police. But that's how it's spelled. P-U-L-L-E-A-S-E. Christopher Police. 45 years of age. Now, let me give you a verbal or a description, a verbal description of this officer. I talked about guys that look like they're tremendously bulked up. Maybe they're on steroids. I don't know. He just looks bulked up. This guy fits the bill. Again, the muscles, his biceps coming out of his uniform that's about one size too small. He's got tattoo sleeves on, I think I saw one, one arm, I believe, maybe on both arms. Now, I have no problem with that. If that's your, if that's your jam, you want to have tattoos up and down your body, that's fine. I always say people make their own minds. They, they have the right to do with what they wish with their own body. That's not my jam. Personally, when I see a woman that's got a sleeve, a tattoo sleeve, instant turnoff. I don't mind if she's got a little tramp stamp. Don't mind if she's got a little one, you know, by her, uh, if she's wearing a bikini and you can see it, no problem. But I don't want to see a woman that's got, you know, arms that are tattooed all the way up. Same thing with a guy. But if you have it and you enjoy it, hey, that's up to you. Everybody to each his own. Fine. I'm frankly kind of shocked that they allow that uh, in various police uh, departments. That, that does surprise me. But in any event, so this officer who, again, looks all juiced up, got the tats on his, on his arms, definitely looks like a hothead. That's just my opinion. And again, from the video that I saw, 
Most people would agree. Most rational people would agree. So as the, as, and this, this guy was the supervisor, by the way, this uh, uh, Sergeant Christopher Police. He was the supervisor during this call. So he approached and engaged in a verbal altercation, and apparently he wanted to, I don't know if he was reaching for his pepper spray or what he was doing. You can see the video. The police finally released the video when WSVN-TV received a tip, and the police department released the video. My question is, why didn't the police department release that video from day one? Why didn't they come clean on what took place? But it gets even worse. So the supervisor escalated the encounter, according to the police chief, instead of de-escalating an emotionally charged situation. Now, the body camera video has been released, but the audio has been removed. But sergeant police can be seen leaning into the car in front of the suspect while holding his can of pepper spray in front of the suspect as if he's about to use it. Soon afterward, now remember, the guy is already in the car. The suspect is in the car. Shut the door and be done with it. Take him to, to headquarters. Soon afterward, a nearby police officer whose face in the video is blurred, whose name has not been released, a female, two years on the job, much smaller than Sergeant Christopher Police, comes up to him and grabs him by his belt, pulling, away, pulling him away from the suspect. She did the exact right thing. If somebody would have done that, a fellow officer, when George Floyd was being held down by a knee on his neck, we probably could have avoided not only Floyd's murder, but uh, the tremendous destruction and rioting that took place in this country. Had one person, one of the three other cops watching, would have just pulled him over and said, hey, get your knee off of him. Let's get him in the car. Let's get him transported. Let's, let's finish this. Nobody did that. Nobody did that. And there were a couple of guys that said, well, he was senior to me. I've only been on the job a year. I don't care. What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. If you're a cop, you take action, period. You are there to serve and protect, not to serve and murder. So the female officer, only on the job two years, much smaller than Sergeant Christopher Police, grabs him by the belt, pulls him back to end the situation so it doesn't escalate. That is when Sergeant Christopher Police can be seen turning around and aggressively grabbing the officer by the neck while pushing her backward towards another police car. When I saw this, the first thing I said is, how the hell is this Christopher Police, this sergeant, even still on the job? As soon as I would have saw that, if I'm the chief, I bring him in, I say, you're fired. You're done. Period. If, a, if a, a citizen would have done that to one of the officers, they would be arrested and charged with assault, battery, uh, uh, assaulting a police officer, interfering with law enforcement, you name it. The charges would have been a mile long. Nothing. So the sergeant then turns around, 
grabs the officer by the neck in a very violent manner. And this tells me this guy's got serious anger issues. This guy may be roided up. I don't know. But whatever it is, this guy was a psychopath, high, ready to go and kill someone. And this female officer did the right thing. This cop, Christopher Police, was looking to get violent with that suspect. So police, after he strangles the cop, sends her back into another police car, he returns to the patrol car, slams the door before turning back and continues yelling and pointing at the female officer who stopped him. The police chief of uh, Sunrise PD, Anthony Rosa, said last week that police is on desk duty pending an internal affairs investigation. My question is, we're now uh, uh, January 22nd. This took place two months ago. You're only starting an internal affairs investigation? That I assure you, that female police officer filed a report. Guaranteed. And if she didn't, she should have. But other officers that witnessed it should have spoken up. The police chiefs did not say whether police was taken off the street immediately after the incident or only when news of the incident came to light. Let me, let me translate that. He wouldn't say that whether he was taken off immediately or only when the TV station was, uh, got the tip. The answer to that is he was not taken off the street immediately. They still let him go. Now, I assure you, somewhere along the line, the police chief knew about this. But he described a sergeant's behavior to WSVN-TV as disgusting when asked about his initial reaction. I think the video speaks for itself. When asked why he wasn't the officer arrested, citing that a civilian, had a civilian done the same, they'd be arrested, Rosa said that at the moment he was unable to disclose more on the case but would keep the public updated. So the chief was disgusted but yet didn't do anything? Puts him on desk duty? I'm sorry. The first thing is you suspend him. You conduct an investigation and then you fire him because the video speaks for itself. The chief noted that Sunrise police officers are required to de-escalate and intervene if an officer appears to lose control or display inappropriate conduct. What the officer did, according to the chief, was exactly a direct reflection of how they are trained. Now I wonder, Sergeant Christopher Police, was he trained at the Sunrise Police Academy? to go and choke a fellow officer who tried to de-escalate a situation? Not only should that officer, should police be fired, terminated, he should be criminally charged. He's a hothead. Probably, as I said, I don't know for fact, but when you look at this guy, you look at the tats all over his arm, you look at the fact this guy's all bulked up, maybe he's got some sort of roid rage going on. Who knows? But we should find out. Full investigation should be done, which clearly they're doing now. The chief commended the actions of the 28-year-old police officer on the job two years. Said, I'm very proud of the officer involved in this incident. Believe that the actions taken were definitive and demonstrative of good leadership during a tense situation. Police has been with the Sunrise Police Department for 21 years. The female police officer, 28 years old, been on the job two years. Now, this is a clear case of police brutality against a fellow officer. 
this could have escalated into a situation of police brutality against a suspect. Now, whether a suspect is a saint or not makes no difference. Once you have him apprehended, that's it. Period. Charge him and let the justice system handle it. But this is indicative. We're seeing more and more of this type of cop that is being hired. And I know many of you are cops that are listening. And I know that I've received emails. And when I've seen you in person, you've said, General, I can't dispute it. Now, I'm not saying there are a majority of police that are on the forces. What I am saying is there is a significant number on every police force. The police, their fellow officers know who they are. They know their time bombs that are ticking. They know their hotheads. They know they get off on getting into these high adrenaline situations. And that's exactly what this Sergeant Christopher Police did. They got him in the car. Okay, he didn't want to shut the door. You get him in, shut the door. We would have never known about this story had not there been a whistleblower, a, 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 a tip, an anonymous tip to one of the TV stations in South Florida. Otherwise, this Christopher Police would still be out on patrol. This guy should be fired. If you think this was the only incident of this police doing something along those lines, I would bet, I would bet that there have been other incidents. Don't know that for sure, but all you need to do is look at one incident and say, chances are there were other incidents along these lines, but the fellow officers didn't say anything. And where were the other fellow officers while this was uh, happening? It took this 28-year-old two-year police officer to do the right thing. Where were the other male officers? They were nowhere to be found. They didn't stop them. One of them should have said, hey, back off. Sergeant, back off. We got it covered. They didn't. I don't back the blue unilaterally. I back the good blue, and I detest and will call out the bad blue. If you got bad cops, they're criminals. They should be weeded out. And to those police departments... And police officers that know they have bad cops and say nothing, do nothing, they are just as guilty. What this 28-year-old officer, two-year officer did was the right thing. And when you see the video, we will link to this video. We will put up the video at CigarDave.com and on social media. When you see the violent action, this guy could have killed this woman. I'm telling you, this guy would have, could have, could have and probably would have killed this woman. To go at her throat? A fellow officer? You've got to be kidding me. I mean, this guy was in a violent rage. Clearly, we got a psychopath on our hands, and his name is Sergeant Christopher Police by his actions against a fellow officer. This guy should be fired, should be ostracized, and should be criminally charged and belongs behind bars for a nice long sentence. And I'd be interested to see if any other cops come forward and maybe spill the beans on any other potential nefarious activities and illegal activities that he engaged in or violent activities with other suspects or maybe even other officers. But this guy is bad news and shame on the chief of police of Sunrise Police Department for not addressing this two months ago. He was going to let it slide until, and i tell you exactly what happened. There's somebody in the police department, a fellow officer, fellow chief that was probably irate that nothing was done, that this was going to let, this was going to be overlooked, and they spilled the beans to one of the TV stations. They provided that anonymous tip, 
told exactly what the TV station, what to look for, what to request. And then when they got it, that was it. Then the chief had no choice but to act. Where was he two months ago? My estimation, Police Chief Rose of the Sunrise Police Department, he should be fired too, and any other officer that was complicit in the cover-up. Unacceptable. If you're a bad cop, you good cops need to open your mouths and get rid of these bad news bears, if you will. A lot of psychopaths in police departments today. Not the majority, but there's a shit ton of them. And you good cops know who they are, and you should start speaking up. Because there should be no police violence against not only suspects, but against fellow officers. If he's going to do it to a fellow officer, what is he going to do to citizens of this country or people that are in this country that deserve due process? He trampled all over it, and he trampled all over his fellow officer. Fire this guy, charge this guy, convict this guy, let him live in Stark Penitentiary up in Stark, Florida, maximum security penitentiary. Let's see how his fellow inmates deal with him once they know he's a cop. That should be fun. Don't bend over, Sergeant Police, when you're taking a shower. That's the only thing I would say. All right, finally, this weekend, big divisional round in the NFL. My Bills are taking on the Chiefs. Saw this uh, couple of highlights of what uh, new items are being served at Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Wisconsin. The frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, Green Bay, Wisconsin. And of course, anything that they serve in Wisconsin, in Green Bay, oh, you betcha, going to have some sort of cheese curds or cheese involved. Now, both of these items, I have, I'm looking at pictures, and both do not look appetizing whatsoever. For this weekend, the first is a perfect spiral burger. A festy burger topped with jalapenos, fried onions, Johnsonville sausage strips, and Sargento beer cheese. Oh, you betcha. On a spiral cheese curd roll. I'm looking at this thing, and I can honestly tell you, my stomach is growling. I have no desire to even taste something like this. The second item that they will offer this weekend, a tower of french fries. And it comes in a little box that looks like a field with the, uh, the yard markers on there, kind of resembles a field. A tower of french fries crowned with Sargento beer cheese sauce, cheese curds, Johnsonville brat crumbles, scallions, and creme fraiche, or fraiche. I have zero interest in that. Doesn't look appetizing. They both look repulsive. But if that's what you enjoy in Wisconsin, oh, go, you betcha. To me, give me some wings, give me some beef on weck, Good old-fashioned pizza. You can't. Oh, brisket, anything on the grill, Salem's hot dogs, can't go wrong. But sorry, the cheese curds and the beer cheese sauce, not doing it for me. And I'll tell you, they look so messy to eat. You're in a stadium. You eat it. You get the gooey cheese curds and sauce all over you. Then it's all sticky. You got to stand up eating it. Not my jam. No, thank you. Now, this weekend, some big games. Whatever team you root for. Just remember, Sunday night, the big game, 6.30, CBS, the Buffalo Bills, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Nobody circles the wagons, and nobody circles the Kansas City Chiefs like my Buffalo Bills. Cigar Dave, the general, saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Save America. Go Bills. Bills Mafia, let's circle the wagons. Let's bring that divisional game home a big win. 
And Sergeant Steve, I know you're rooting for your Cincinnati Bengals. I'm rooting for them too. Because if the Bengals win and the Bills win, we play back in the friendly confines of Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, New York, where the Bills can really circle the wagons. Super Bowl bound, baby. That is where the Bills want to go, and that is where every Bills Mafia fan will root them on. I think this could be the year we will keep our fingers crossed.